If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast by the host or the guest do not necessarily reflect the views of Paranormal Buzz Radio or its sponsors. Use of any material produced by Paranormal Buzz Radio without express written consent is strictly prohibited. For information on everything Paranormal Buzz Radio has to offer, visit our website, paranormalbuzzradio.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Listener discretion is advised. I think I've always believed in the paranormal. But the deeper I get in this field, the more questions I uncover. I started a program called Seeking the Paranormal in an effort to gain insight and dialogue from others interested in the same things as me. And while we've learned a lot together, the questions still remain. So I'm bringing my thoughts to the airwaves, and I've brought along my friends, Adam and John, to share in the fun. Together, we'll tackle the tough topics and debate the evidence as we continue to seek the paranormal. Thank you so much for joining us for Seeking the Paranormal. Is this episode 29 or 30? I don't okay. know. 29? Okay. I'm glad Shane's coming because the rest <laughs> of us don't have any clue. Tonight, for the first time ever, Seeking the Paranormal has a guest on, and his name is Shane. I'll tell you a little bit more about him in a minute. Tonight, we are going to talk about for our schoolhouse, which is an abandoned schoolhouse in kind of outside of Des Moines, Iowa. I'll give you a little history here. And this is taken directly from their website, which is haunting at Farrar.com. And Farrar is F-A-R-R-A-R. I'll put up on our social media so you can do, find them. Do not misspell it because the locals get really pissed. I got, I, I when we did our first video, I, I put an E in there like Ferrari. Man, I got so many hits saying, you spilled it, bro. It was horrible. They're nice don't, people, though. They feel don't they don't piss off the locals. Yeah. yeah. All 12 Right. Exactly. Well, and the schoolhouse itself is basically in the middle of nowhere, which to a certain extent works out pretty well for you. It definitely limits the amount of garbage you have coming in from busy roadways and so forth. But when we were there, we still, you know, you can still hear motorcycles and trucks and whatever, so. And drunk people. Yeah, drunk people. And drunk people, right? yes. Exactly. Exactly. So, taken from Haunting at Ferrar's webpage, it says, In the beginning, the cornerstone inscribed with the year 1921 was set, and the dedication ceremony commenced on April 1st, 1922. The schoolhouse filled with citizens from miles around. An orchestra played on stage in the auditorium as a banquet served, 
the hundreds in attendance. I don't know how they got hundreds in there. Not all citizens were behind the new building with its $100,000 price tag. One disgruntled citizen refused to attend the celebration, calling it a monument to the arrogance and vanity of the school board with its boiler heating, electric lights, and indoor bathroom facilities. On May 3, 2002, once again, Van played a banquet, served the hundreds in attendance, and sadly, the 80-year-old schoolhouse closed its doors for the last time. Now, basically, a farmer ended up donating some of his land so the school district could build this building. I believe they had pretty much all grades in the in the building at some point, and eventually they condensed school districts. And Farrar might have, I think, Bondurant is who they are sharing buildings with now. So the school, I, that, and that's the reason the the building shut down was just because they were kind of rearranging school districts. Never anything bad, and trust me, I have gone through I couldn't find my my notebook on Farrar, but I have done research. There's never been one bad thing said about this school or the teachers who were teaching there. And really the reason the school is haunted is kind of a mystery at this point. Now I have seen on Facebook people suggest that there was a janitor who was molesting and raping children. Not true. I have seen a psychic say that Teachers were keeping children in cages and torturing them. Not true. I, I mean, there's all kinds of stories out there, and they're all garbage. This was just a regular schoolhouse that functioned from the 20s up until 2002 in a, in a farm community, really. So the Farrar Schoolhouse, known to be a haunted location here in Iowa, visited by dozens of paranormal groups and individual dozens is an understatement. And I wonder where the stories come from. Right. Right. And individuals. So Discovery Channel's My Ghost Story and Ghost Stalkers have featured the, sh- the schoolhouse. Fox News, Laser 103.3 Radio, which is out of Des Moines. The Des Moines Register, author Stephen Lachance, Villisca's Johnny Hauser, Brad and Barry Kling, Chris Dedman, John Tenney, Chad Lindbergh, which Chad and John are ghost stalkers, I think, right? They used to lock them in the building, I'm pretty sure. David Roundtree, Rosalind Bowen, Bowen, Dakota Layden, Jody Parks, Mike Holman, Tim Dwight, Jackie Carpenter, Chad and Brian Kalick, Christopher Booth, and Slipknot's Corey Taylor. Corey Taylor actually wrote a book about, he's an avid paranormal investigator. I can't think of what his book's called right off the top of my head, but he has a whole chapter about his visit to Farrar, uh, which he loved, by the way. Do I have to join a metal band to yeah. get acknowledged? Is that how that works? And wear a mask? Yeah, me and John will start playing guitar. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll, make a, we'll make a paranormal metal band. There you go. We got the band here. Yay. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, Adam and I, with Sea Paranormal, have been there. I want to say we're probably around four or five times, maybe. And it was actually the first place that we ever investigated, and we had no idea what we were doing at first. Now things have gotten a little bit better, and that's part of the reason why we're talking about this school tonight. Shane, this was your first visit to the schoolhouse, right? Correct. I've never been there before. Excellent. And then, John, how many times do you think you've been there? Um, I think this was our fifth visit between WTF and Planet Science. 
Okay. We go there pretty regularly. Okay, so we're we're kind of in the same boat. The reason we're talking about this tonight is not a, first of all, it's it's a place you should know about, and it's a pretty cool place to go and visit. And in my opinion, I think it is haunted for an unknown reason, other than I still state I agree with John's theory. It's the places that were lived in that are haunted, not the places where people died necessarily. It, it tends to have all kinds of different activity. Now, there's tons of people who, just like everywhere else, talk about the scary person who's in the boiler room, blah, blah, blah. I have never felt anything dangerous in that building. I know I watched a YouTube video with the Kling brothers, I think. Now, I could be mistaken on that, so please don't quote me. But I think it was the Kling brothers, and they talked about a very dark and heavy energy in the principal's office. I've never felt that either. Um, I know what that is, because the first time we went there, Eric bought ramen noodles from the gas station up the road. <laughs> and he was there for the whole investigation, but there was a dark and heavy presence <laughs> the whole time we were there. <laughs> so, I think... I think, yeah, I think the chicken nuggets y'all had brought that same present with you. (laughs) And it tastes better out the microwave for some reason. (laughs) But it's a place that is, you know, not a typical place you would assume to be haunted, but in my opinion, it is. And lots of people have visited, and the cost to get in is relatively cheap. So it's a place that, you know, we want to support and put the word out. If you can get there, definitely do. I I think you'll be happy with the experience. Now, I will say it can feel a little hit or miss, but I think part of that is because it's not what we see on TV. So it's not like bang, 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 bang. But if you're patient, the building will reward you. But but is anywhere that you see on TV, Mm -hmm. to be honest. Yeah. So the, the other reason we're talking about this tonight is because... Part of this investigation was something that was new to us. There was some new equipment that was making its debut and being used for the first time. But I think this was an investigation a little bit unlike what most groups are doing. And so I want to start. Shane, tell us a little bit about yourself. I've been a paranormal investigator now for eh, pretty close to three years. We have a home group here in Michigan, the Southern Michigan Paranormals. And they're a pretty decent group, but I do, you know, a lot of independent investigation stuff, and I kind of, I kind of jump from group to group as guest, you know, just to see how they do things, to learn stuff from them, uh, to, sh- to show them stuff, you know, uh, teaching if I can. So, I and I think that's how we should be doing things. I I don't think that it should be where you stick strictly to your and nobody else because. We share stuff as a community. So I support that. Why don't you and John talk about your new equipment? And let's start there. Tell, tell us about the, the equipment that y'all brought with us. And Well, so basically, and here's the thing. I had the idea, and, and obviously Shane did. I'm not saying I had the idea. But I mean, I had the idea as well a long time ago of why do we take things like a thermometer and an EMF meter and then, oh shit, something's happened, grab for it out the bag, point it, and then it's, it's all happened. So I had a bunch of electronics and I was like, you know, some kind of measures all the time you're there, all kinds of things. 
And then Shane, he's he's like one of two people in the whole world that read my book. And he's oh, it was a great book. <laughs> it is. Look, more and, people than that have read it. And it, well, you know, but Shane emailed me. I mean, I didn't know him from Adam. Hi, Adam. But, hey, what's up, buddy? <laughs> <laughs> you ready for that? He said, you know, I, I like the books, and we started talking, and, you know, and lo and behold, Shane is a lot better at electronics and programming than I am, and he had the same idea, and he actually, you know, pretty much finished building one. So I was like, dude, we've got to get together. So, you know, he came down, visited the secret lab. I mean, for him, it was a, what, six-hour drive, was that? Yeah, about six. Yeah, so he drove six hours. We spent an uh, absolutely awesome weekend together, platonically. Yeah, very fun. Um, <laughs> platonically. <laughs> and, we, and we did for a lot at the same time. So it worked out really well. And basically, and I'll let um, Shane use the details, but it's a board every second. It measures EMF, radiation, temperature, I mean, a bunch of sensors. And they go on a spreadsheet. And once again, I'll... Let's change the details. The reason that is important is because in statistics, there is a thing called the p-value. And if the p-value is the right number, then it is actually, you know, it's not just a variance. So, Shane, I'll let you take it from here. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, the idea I've had for quite a while to build the thing, that I finally got enough energy and time and whatnot and, and got it built, so basically, it was to kind of fulfill a second thing that I'd always been looking at. It's like, why don't they use statistics just like the regular scientists do in the paranormal? And you know, we're not the first person to ever do it. There's a there's a group I don't remember the name, but out of Wisconsin that was that was actually backed by a university that's done somewhat similar stuff. So. The the issue with it is, for statistics, you need a lot of data. And just sitting there with a pencil and paper and staring at your meter and writing stuff down kind of works. But if you want to take dozens of readings very quickly, you cannot physically do it. So, hence, the what I call the squeegee board was built because it mops up a lot of data. So, you know, a lot of other paranormal investigators are in there with the Ouija boards. We're in there with a squeegee board. So, so no, the I idea... Is <laughs> they say no on Ouija boards. ...is to take... They do. Yeah. An array of sensors every second and record them with date, time, stamps. So we have things like ionic. We, we measure ions. We measure EMF. And we measure motion. We have magnetic field in three directions. We have EMF in single direction. We have temperature, barometric pressure, humidity, dew point, light level, which is kind of neat so that when you come back later, you can say, oh, yeah, we did that investigation with the lights out or we did this one with the lights on, you know, whatnot like that. They should um, also take up shadow people if they move over it because you'll see sure. a lot of different people when they shouldn't be one. Right. Yeah, and it, it now even has a feature, what I call the session switch. So normally the way you would deploy this device is you would plunk it down in, a, in an area of interest right at the beginning of the investigation, 
and start it recording. And then just leave it. You know, leave the room, leave the area, go, you know, unpack your other equipment, set up your other stuff, maybe do a couple, two, three other uh, sessions somewhere else. And now, uh, then you're eventually going to return to that spot, flip the switch so you, you're logging when you're, when you're actually in the session. So it's got a marker in the data so you know what you're doing. And then you go ahead and do an EVP session or a spirit box or, uh, you know, we did the thing with the little metal detectors, which is pretty cool. And so you do a session like that and then, you know, you can, cut off the switch when you're done, go do some other stuff, come back, do two or three sessions. And now you have this continuous stream of data every second about the entire environment that you can measure. And so this results in thousands of readings, which is great because in the world of statistics, I've got some software written that you can actually put this data in there. You put your baselines in one window, you put your session readings in another window, and you can get statistical significance readings and, you know, percentages of change that are, you know, scientifically legit. So with that, then you can actually say, okay, we actually saw a difference during the session. Right. And we did. And we, yeah. did. And we did. Yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll go over that in a, little, in a little bit. We'll go over some of the results. But... This is the way to, you know, in my opinion, the way to get rid of human bias as much as possible. Get a lot of data with minimal work and, you know, have a permanent record to keep for, for future events. You know, so if you can come back, you know, several times and do the same test and if you keep getting these same results statistically, then, you know, that puts a, a very large amount of credibility, uh, even above just some random voices on an EVP or, you know, some orb floating through the corner of your video. Right. <laughs> so did you have... You, you said old. <laughs> yeah, I said the old word. You oh. did not have a digital voice recorder on there, though, right? It had yeah, one, yes. Do. Oh, it did. You have all the audio. And then, then, and the nice thing is, so, because it's got a timestamp, so there's a buzzer on there that beeps when it starts. So when you listen to the audio, you know to the second when that thing's measuring. So when you listen to the audio, and then on top of that, we get a, another layer where I have the video camera going. So yeah. the same thing again is we could hear that beep, and then, you know, from the time measure, we can pinpoint to the second, you know, where in the audio or in the video something was happening. So, and, and we'll get to this later, but, you know, when things started happening, you know, we can go back and look exactly where the data fit. And it works both ways, which is awesome, because we could, so when we had, once again, we'll get to it later, but when we had the ones go off, we saw that on video, we could look at the time and go back and look at the data that was right. coming through. And then on the other side, when we were looking at the data and we saw a spike, we could go back and look at the video and go, well, what was going on there that might cause a spike? And we had results from that too. So it, it flips both ways. You can either look at the data and then look at what's going on. And, and the nice thing about that is when you're sitting there and you don't even know something's going on, but 
apparently something was. And then, you know, when you think something's going on, okay, we might be reading shit into that, you know, because we have bias. But then you can go back and look at the data and go, no, wait a minute, there were environmental changes. So this is more legit than us just going, well, I think it was a shadow man with a hat on. Um, you know. So he likes the hat. He does think, like the hat. That's it, it, his it favorite. Drives me crazy. But drives me crazy. Hey, come that Oh dear lord. Nope. <laughs> Bring it up. So, and this is not necessarily a small piece of equipment. Like, this is a decent size. Like, how big would you say that board is? It's 11 by 18. Okay. So. That's portable, but no, you're not going to carry it on your hip. Yeah. You, you pull those measurements off the top of your hat. That's kind of really scary and nerdy and great. <laughs> well, I, I cut the board, so I remember when I cut the board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I routed it. I lost three fingers. That's why I remember it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not a terribly small piece, but as, as Shane mentioned, it is still very portable. And it's meant to be static then, of course, during your vigil. We did move it room to room, so that it is something that you're able to do. And and it's important to do that, I, I would suggest. So... And not, I don't want to get too deep into this, but if somebody were interested in trying a similar experiment, just a lay person that has all their equipment together, do you guys have a suggestion for them? Oh, yeah. Here's how I used to do it before I had the board. So I would take my instruments, my EMF meter, my, my thermometer, my compass. I'd have an array of maybe six or eight, ten different instruments. I would lay them on a table. And then I would take one of those small little uh, full-spectrum cams or whatever, Mm -hmm. mount it on the little tripod and just point it at the instruments. And then I would just start it recording. And then, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is after you've got, you know, four or five hours of that on on video, when you get home, you've now got four or five hours to sit there with a pen and paper and, you know, every, you know, I wasn't doing them every second. I was doing maybe every, well, maybe every minute. And then during events, I was doing maybe every 10 seconds. So I'd fast forward, write down the values, fast forward, write down the values. And I did that four or five times. And then I decided, no, the amount of effort to build the board, since I already knew how to program and I knew electronics, was significantly less than the effort of writing all this crap down I can't and imagine. manually typing it in the computer. I can imagine. But know then that if this is something that you guys are interested in trying yourselves, that there is an alternative. Also, if you have more questions, you can get a hold of Shane and or John, too. I'm sure they would be able to talk you through that a little bit more. Now, I just want to talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you were measuring. So um, we had the digital voice recorder. You had a motion detector on there. EMF is something we talked about recently. As I mentioned, I've kind of fallen out of love with it because I think it's a little too unsteady to really consider. But why do you think that's important to look at? Go ahead, John. Oh, sorry. Well, one of the things that actually really surprised me was, so magnetic field and EMF aren't exactly the same. And there's an EMF sensor on it, which stayed, the only time it went off, really, when the buzzer went off, and that's because the EMF from the buzzer was affecting the EMF sensor. 
the one, the results we got, it was the actual natural magnetic field, which was fluctuating, not the EMF, which, you know, to me, I was like, wait a minute, that's the Earth's magnetic field. How, how can you influence that? I mean, but that, so as far as EMF goes, and then the other thing is, when we did the one thing and we started going off, I always thought, and I'm not going to lie, the ghost feeding on EMF energy, I thought, yeah, whatever, it's a good story. But using that equipment, we did find a correlation between magnetic field uh, and when things went off, which we'll get into, but hopefully soon, because we keep putting off and people go, I'm sick of listening to this. But we found that there was a correlation between the, not the EMF, but the magnetic field and radiation, which is, you know, I, and Shane might disagree, but I'm pretty convinced it's gamma radiation from the, you know, and, and Oh yeah, the, it was gamma radiation. Yeah, and, and that's the correlation we found. So when the ones went off, which were the ghost feeders, mm-hmm. it wasn't statistically huge. It was like 3%. The magnetism went down. Which I can find no reason for it, but you know, okay, three percent isn't statistically huge, but it did go down. Went really? We've got feeders out there that put out magnetic energy, and the radiation went up when things went on where we weren't feeding, and we the radiation went down. The magnetism went up. So to me, the feeding thing actually made sense. And I don't believe in it. Well, I didn't believe in it. But now I'm starting to think, why am I doing something in there, you know? So, but we only had that one investigation, and I'm really looking forward to recreating it. If we can. Yeah, and as far as the exact, you know, the EMF is included because pretty much every ghost group wants EMF in their thing. Now, also remember that terrible meters like K2s that are just basically toys don't have any filtering. So when they see when they see EMF, they see like half of the radio spectrum all at once. So a cell phone in the other room can make the little lights fast. Whereas the EMF that's on my board has very strict filtering and it's only looking at the low frequency actual, you know, normal EMF like you'd find from power lines, from magnetic, you know, there's electromagnetic parts, you know, things like that. So, and the Farrar School was probably the most EMF quiet place I've ever been. I mean, even my handheld meter, etc., were just like basically zeros. And pretty much, far as EMF is concerned, the whole time we were at Farrar, that board recorded zero, other than when it heard its own buzzer and yeah. it started recording. So that correlated with my my handheld meters, and that was a quiet place being out there in the country. So pretty much we record a lot of zeros. Now, the magnetic field, like John said, was a different Yeah. So there are people who believe that EMF, low-level EMF, can cause hallucinations. Would you say that is likely not? A possibility than at Parar because those readings were yeah, so the radiation or the EMF excuse me the right term the EMF is so low at Parar there is no way you can get hallucinations if there's paranormal activity there it is not from your own mind 
as, at least as far as EMF is concerned. There is no way. The other thing I want to add to that about the story about EMF causes hallucinations, which is true, but if you look at, I mean, the World Health Organization, I know they're like, depending on how you look at it, they're in a bad light moment, but they still do this, the job that's meant to do. But there's been a lot of studies for a long time about how much EMF you need to affect your brain, and it's a lot higher than people think. Yeah, so it would be pegging the, the meters. Constantly. Yeah, I mean, you, you'd be in the red on a K2 the whole time. The only thing they found that does affect your brain is low-frequency sound. That really does. They've proven that. Right. The other one is, yeah, LSD, <laughs> heroin, you know, which are not, you know, floating around in the air. So, and if they were, I'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just to say that, you know, EMF, it's, I think it's relevant because if you are going to do a full environment check, it's part of the environment. So it yeah, needs you need to, to be include it. a measure. So I include it. Yeah. So. You know, side note, not about the board, but it just occurred to me, you know, every time we've talked about EMF and including our episode about EMF, we never really touched on the millimeter. Do you guys have any yeah, of the three one. of you have an opinion on the millimeter? So, um, yeah, I do. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So basically the millimeter is a meter that breaks out magnetic field, electric field, and temperature, and combines it into one unit. It was a, It's like a basic, you know, baby version of the board there in their attempt to record data. And the device itself is reasonably accurate compared to like a K2 or some of these other hokey things. The numbers that it gives you are actually the values that are there, and they're pretty good. So, you know, the only other one I would say might be better than the millimeter is probably the tri-field. No, one half a dozen another. Now, you, you just substantiated me spending 80 bucks on a tri-field. Thank you. But, yeah. here's the thing is, I, I distrust things. The millimeter. No, is you distrust things? That. I don't think If I may finish my sentence. No. no, I distrust a lot of things, which I think is healthy. Um, but the millimeter started life shrouded in mystery, legend, dead, dead daughter. Oh, and, yeah. and as soon as they start that, I'm like, wait a minute. That, for me, that throws a flag. It's like, yeah. I'm selling to a certain market, you know. And then, then all of a sudden, for me, a red flag goes off and I'm like, yeah, but, you know, tell me about the tolerances and what it's actually measuring. And if you're going to combine all those numbers, how do I know which number's which? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's pretty good. No, I, 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 I mean, it's it's as accurate as any other, you know, decent EMF meters. You know. But but you have to understand the numbers as well, it's a thing. And then you have to. Don't know what the numbers mean. You're 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 lost to start. You're really quiet, Adam. What what are your opinions up to now? Oh, I'm just currently are I'm you just listening. listening. Oh, of course I'm listening. <laughs> Duh. It's like I'm only listener at the moment. But so. I Adam, you you use the millimeter, correct? Yeah. So what when you're using it? What are you looking at? Or do you do? 
because usually when I'm holding it, I'm looking mostly at temperature. So, what what do you pay attention to? I try to pay attention to both. I mean, I'd like to see them both move. I know that's not necessarily feasible or possible, but you know, it's I'd like possible, to. I guess it's just I've never seen it happen much. <laughs> yeah. Well, we had it happen at the Granger House that one day. Our very first investigation. Yes. yes. Very cool. Where we had the EMF going up and the temperature going down. And it, the temperature was actually going down on command, actually. Yes. Which was even better. But that's probably the only time I've ever seen it do both. But that's kind of what I like to look for. To correlate the two together is probably more significant, in my opinion. Okay. So well, I, I got a question. So, yes. you know, you guys, so when we went to Farah, we, we did a number of cities. So what stands out in your guys' mind that we caught some of them? Well, hold on. I don't want to talk about that just yet. All right. Because I, sure. I want to keep talking about the board. No, that, okay. and I, I do want to talk about that, though. <laughs> So, ions, you said, was another thing that we yep. were measuring. And, and ions are different than radiation, and they are different than magnetic fields. Ions are actually the nucleus of an atom with or without either an extra electron or missing some electrons, etc. And so they're actually particles. Most people think of them more as static electricity. So if you were to take a piece of plastic and, you know, rub it on your hair and then hold it near the, the squeegee board, it would be like, oh, yeah, I see all kinds of ions. And it'll tell you if they're positive or negative and kind of a rough, you know, relative value, you know, zero to 100, how strong is it? And is it positive ions or negative ions? The reason that's important that I was, when we, when we were back in the lab looking at the data, when we were looking at the correlation between magnetism and gamma radiation. So personally I was thinking, okay, particle or wave, you know, kind of thing. So if if you had interaction with a particle, you would have seen a change in the ion, basically. Is or am I wrong, Chad? Because um, you could see a change, but not necessarily. But you know, ions are basically if you have a REM pod or anything similar to that, you know, the little things you put your hand near them and they, they light up and beep and whatnot. Yeah. All they're doing is looking for ions because your body, you know, as you walk across the floor, picks up electricity. It's the same reason you get out of your car and when you get at the gas pump and you get the big old spark when you, when you touch the door. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's a buildup of ions. But, and so, but those, yeah, those are included. It's basically an emulation of the REM pod, but instead of just flashing lights, it actually gives you a value and a positive or negative polarity, which is more useful data than, oh, yeah, the red LED's been blinking for the last five minutes. Yeah. But but I guess my thinking was, when, when I was doing the thinking about it, was that those are electrons, whatever you know, which are particles. So Correct. Gamma waves, magnetic waves, so. Our waves, was, yes. Yeah, and I'm trying to think, okay, you know, we got a correlation. If it's on a particle level, we should have, maybe, have seen ions. But yeah, we and we did, which so, means it was entirely wave, wave form. Exactly. Yeah. 
which is which is why for me that ion reading was important. I guess this is what I'm trying to say now. I know that business is, but you know the logic makes sense to me. Does that make sense? That yep. was a lot. <laughs> That has a lot of science. So um, do you think you'll keep the ion detector on there then, or is it something that you think Oh yeah, eventually? Because the other thing that'll happen is if you have a lightning storm approaching or you have people walking around a lot, you know, doing stuff, you kind of want to know because a, a, a lightning burst will make a magnet field, it'll make an EMF, and it'll make actually even technically radioactivity and it makes ions mostly. So mm-hmm. if you're getting huge amounts of spikes of ions, then you got to look back, okay, did we have a thunderstorm that night? And if we did, then large percentages of your readings are probably bunk because yeah. every time the lightning cracks, every sensor on there is going to show a spike. And not all even at the same time because the ions are going to be particles. They're going to be traveling slower, you know, than the, than the electromagnetic waves, than the radiation, all the other things that a lightning strike causes. So if you're going to look at the environment, you need to include the static field. And then the other thing is, is, I mean, who knows? Maybe ghosts can influence it. I mean, a person can walk by and put their hand near the antenna and it'll show up. If a ghost goes by, can they put their hand by the antenna and it show up? I don't know. There's no scientific proof. But, hey, it's already on the board. It's already taken readings. And it's one more data point. So all, all that data just helps you make a suggestion of what's going on. So Yeah, correlation. You know, yeah. If you get spikes and you get an iron spike and they all look like the same things that come out of lightning, you know, the ion helps you reach that conclusion. You know, right. if you only get ion and the movement sensor didn't go off or anything like that, you know no one was near it, but you're getting ions, then you're like, well, why am I getting ions? And then you correlate that, maybe. And then go back and look at the video and the audio and say what was going on when that happened. You know, yep. kind of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's all about, about cross-checking. Yeah. It's yeah. all about cross-checking everything. Yeah, what what else were we measuring? What what am okay, I Okay, so it measures it can measure movement of the board, which probably isn't really useful in this case, although I guess if somebody was doing a séance and the board the table started to pick up and rock back and forth, you would see those motions. It can tell which way the board is sitting, so if you set the board up on its side or upside down or you know, and also if you rotate it, it can tell that you've rotated it because it can see the magnetic field of the earth. It can even find north technically, although I didn't do the programming for that. It could. So it has the, you know, the three axis, you know, X, Y, Z motion, basically. And then it it does light levels. So like I said, it can, it can see from, you know, zero is dark and bright is like if you had a flashlight right on the sensor, you know, that would give you like a hundred. Theoretically could sense a shadow person. Correct. If it went past it and nobody was near it. Um, but but that's that's why those things are important to me because the motion, the angle of the board, all those things will tell you if someone is messing with the board or somebody came up and moved the board or 
And then you get all these readings. If you didn't know those other things, you know, you'd be like, wow, was that someone doing it? Or, you know, they, they, they help to nullify mundane things. Right. To me, yeah. I mean. And also, like right. I said, if you had poltergeist activity where, you know, they're shaking the tables, they're shaking the floors, things are falling off the walls, you would see those things in the data as little brief spikes, like when an object hit the floor. The vibration would cause a spike in the in the movement. Okay. So, and then the last thing that it measures is uh, beta and gamma radiation, like actual radioactivity. So if you hook, you know, held a piece of uranium up to it, or if you have radon gas in the basement, or <laughs> before you, before you died, you'd be like, I'm melting, but we got a reading. <laughs> yeah. So it can measure radiation and. I've never really seen anybody try to correlate radiation with ghosts, but it's a thing you can measure, and we did get some kind of correlation. I don't know if it's with ghosts or not, and we can probably go over that pretty much coming up next here. Yeah. Well, the, the, for me, what's interesting was the correlation, not just radiation, but the radiation to the natural magnetic field correlation to me was Correct. extremely, I'm like, ah, uh, come on, you know. And and here's the thing, with things like K2s and stuff, you won't get you won't you know, that's the whole point. Is. So how what if I mean, do you think if you paired like a millimeter and an EDI meter, I mean that'd be a good start, don't you think? To Of course. You know. I use a compass I would use a compass for magnetic field because it's simple and easy. You know, a millimeter to get temperature and basic EMF readings. I would use a barometer to get barometric pressure. Sure. Just because there's been changes in pressure recorded in previous ghost experiences. I don't know much about it, but I have seen it in research papers. Okay. And then another one that's that's simple, of course, you know, you're going to want a voice recorder in there. And then you can get an actual Geiger counter to get the radiation if you wanted to. I've done that one in the past, video recording it. Let's see what other ones. Yeah, your your budget is going huge. Pretty much now. it. You know, that's the problem is the budget. You know? Yeah. The, the the thing is with with things like the squeegee board, and and I've always said, you know, everybody that has a paranormal investigation group should have someone that's that's fairly good with electronics and well, also programming now because you know, honestly, you can buy. All the parts you need and, and write the programming. And the cost is, if you, if you add up the cost of everything you've got in your ghost kit and then you have to keep grabbing for them and pointing them and grabbing and pointing, you know, you don't get, you know, yeah. for that amount of money, you know, you can get, you can build a, you know, a Raspberry Pi with yeah. all the sensors and just turn it on and let it run. And it will yeah, I've got about numeric. 250 bucks in the board. Yeah. So. Dollar wise, and uh, yeah, uh, that's cheaper than our equipment. <laughs> yeah, and you're you, and you're taking every second. I was, you know, you're getting thousands of readings during the session. Right. One thing that we haven't talked about, however, is the what were you calling them? Dildos of death. Dude, um, yes. <laughs> Ghost we said we weren't going to say that in public. <laughs> Too late. Listen, we also hey. said we weren't going to show the beginning of that video in public. No, 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 no. If you go on video, you're already automatically acquiescing for it to be published. I so, yeah. yeah. 
But <laughs> you know how hard I tried on the Fan Science podcast not to call them dildos of doom and you just blurted it out? <laughs> I mean, would you expect anything like I called them her? ghost eater wands. Well, so. that's, that, that might be quite as bad, actually, if, if you've got yeah. the right mindset. <laughs> Eat it, ghost! So, <laughs> Alright, so, so what is it you I want mean, to know about the... Well, I just, I mean, ta- we've talked a little bit about the ghost feeder, the nom nom, I call it, but I mean, talk a little I, bit I about the That's a baby nom nom. So, Maybe yeah, so I was looking at the idea of it. So, you know, anybody that knows that stuff, we've got a big metal detector, and the way it works is it puts out a big magnetic, electromagnetic field, and if there's a feedback reflecting it back, it'll go off, basically, very basically. But I was looking online, and I noticed that they have... So metal detectors have a wand, and it's kind of the same one they use at airports, that's like a, a, a mini metal detector. It puts out quite a bit of energy still. Oh, yeah. And it puts out yeah. a lot. Yeah, we tested it. But, you know, they, you know, the ones they, at the airport, they just, you know, wave it over you and it goes beep as it's metal. So I'm like, and, and, but they stand up and they do look like dildos. So yeah, that's why they were called the dildos of doom. <laughs> and they go, they go lie on. So I ordered, what, what were we at? Four of them? They're Four, inexpensive. Yeah. yeah. They're like 40 bucks a piece. And you got them on Amazon, right? Yeah, I got those on Amazon, and I had this couple of points, so they really didn't cost me anything. So I ordered four of those, and my idea was, and and at this point, I still was shaky on the ghost feed on EMF energy. I'm like, okay, but if you're going to get a ghost feeder, I'd rather spend 40 bucks on something I know puts out a lot of energy than some of these crappy 9-volt motors that they sell 40 bucks that don't do really anything. And they give you a feedback. So I bought four of them. My idea being is, if we line them up down the hallway of the car, if one goes off and then another one goes off, then we get movement. Mm-hmm. You know? So that, that was the idea of those. And we got four of those. And then, do we go ahead with the library at some point? Yeah, go ahead. So we were in, and, and for me, the library, like I say, I think for our lot. So to give you a little background, in the library is where, in the book, we took a photo outside the library, and there's a shadow I cannot explain. And I'm skeptical. And I tried following lines of the wall and all these things. And this shadow is just like right in the middle of the hallway to me. Now, it could be an optical illusion. I'm not ruling that out. But I can't find where it is. And that so, picture was our picture of the week, like, in... One of our first, probably, yeah. episodes, maybe. Way back when. And I debunk pictures, or, you know, that's one of my favorite things to do. But this one was just like, totally, I really can't explain this one. And that was outside of life. And that was one incident that made me think of life. And then the other one was, and I'm not, you know, I'm not skittish. But um, one of the times at Ferrara, I was coming up past the library to go for a smoke on my own. I caught movement out, I thought, movement at the corner of my eye. My first initial reaction is, because we'd seen a raccoon in the basement, I thought it was a raccoon or something that got in. And then you get that feeling of someone walking over your grave, and it really did put the shivers up. I was I'm not liking this. And I went back to the sleep room and said, anyone else want to go out and smoke? And I don't normally do that. So, you know, I there's so when we went to the library, I thought, okay, let's set these out. And we set four of them out in a line 
across the library, and Nika was there, Sari, you know, we were all there, and the one in the middle started chirping. And I thought, and it's the first time we used it, I thought, okay, cheap Chinese crap, starting to chirp, I don't know. Then Nico said, can you one, make the one on the left? And you go, that one started to chirp. And then Sarah said, wouldn't it be weird if they all started going off? And then they all started going off. And I'm still thinking, because I'm me, oh, they're interfering with each other, and it's just, you know, growing from the one that went off. The thing being is, the rest of the night, we we, we started to lay them out. They never went off again. And we put them closer together to test the theory that we're interfering with each other. Never went off. And well, individually, can, they went off again, just not collectively. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was weird. And, Shane, did we not get readings from the teacher? Yes, we did. So, basically, during that session, we had a 3% drop in the magnetic field, which wasn't statistically significant, but it was still a difference. And then we had a 5.4% increase in the radioactivity just during the times that they were going off in the library. And it ended so, when, when we turned them off. So it was beginning to end. That's when Yes. Yeah. yeah, during that, what was it, about, I don't know, six, eight minutes, ten minutes that we, while they were all going off, and we're all commenting on it, during that time is when we, we snipped out that piece of data and, and got those changes. Now, the thing that's, in, that's inter- entertaining is, if anything, when they were going off, the magnetic field should have been higher because the speaker that's in there that makes all the beeping noise does give off a fairly strong magnetic field. I've tested it here at home. And so, but it actually went down. And then radiation, which has nothing to do with those wands that I know of, yeah, went up. So that's weird. And that's yeah. Strange. And we wouldn't have... See, we wouldn't have got that corroborating evidence without those measurements. So, if we'd been doing a normal ghost hunt, we would have gone, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. And then, me, as an investigator, I would have started saying, well, okay, it's fluky, but I wouldn't have gone straight to ghosts. And I'm still kind of not, but I'm a lot more along that road with those measurements starting and ending the way they did, where I'm like, no, that's really creepy now. And we should mention that prior to this, the beginning of the vigil when we were waiting for everybody to get in the room and kind of sit down, it was Nico, Adam, and I were sitting in the library, and I had a little e-sensor is what it's called. It's by Digital Dowsing. Basically, it's, you know, I assume it's probably static. I don't know. Anyway, Theoretically, when something gets close to it, it'll go off. That thing never goes off, but it did go off. And then I had my shack hack sitting on the table next to us, and it turned on by itself and started beeping, which I don't know how to make it do that. I can't. I don't know. But that, I mean, that was significant, too. Unfortunately, it does sound like there was no significant readings when that stuff was happening, which is fine. It's still a personal experience. It still kind of freaked the shit out of the three of us. It was a little startling to have the shack hack just start up on its own. But Yeah, and we did have you know significant radioactivity, statistically significant increase. 
just the magnetic field wasn't statistically significant, even though it was a change. So, why don't you talk about the other significant incident yeah, that I'll, you found? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that one. So, here is one that you know has a a fair amount of credibility, mainly because we weren't even aware of it or looking for it. So, after we had gotten back to to John's lair there, and we, I, I started picking out the very first little bits of data. I just said, okay. Let's see, I'll just grab one of the files from the library. Start out. And I just opened up the file, threw it in Excel, told it, hey, make me a graph of, you know, magnetic field, radioactivity. Just had it make me a bunch of graphs. Well, I'm looking at the magnetic field and the radioactivity graphs, and I'm like, there's a, a spike that's about 2 minutes and 10 seconds long. I mean, visible in the graph, easily visible statistically significant and so i was like that's kind of weird you know one's going up one's going down you know magnetic field was up radioactivity was down which is the opposite of what happened during the wand and so i'd like all right let's go look at the video and the audio from that two minutes and ten seconds and so me and john did the math figured out where in the video it was and pulled it up literally when the first couple words came out of our mouths, talking about the owners of the place, about how their dog was quiet and how they were quiet and blah, blah. During that two minutes and ten seconds, right almost to the second, when we started and stopped speaking about the owners is when we got those statistically significant changes in baseline. That's my I, favorite. I love it. And not even, I mean... We weren't even looking. I was just looking at a graph and saying, hey, that looks weird. What were we doing at that time? And then to find out that we were talking about the owners, it was a little bit, it's like one of those woo moments. You're like, wait a minute. That's a little strange. Yeah. It, I mean, it's some. Yeah. And maybe they, maybe they are apparitions and they don't, they live there, but <laughs> don't really both live there. You know, like we, we see them. We I talked didn't about that. Maybe she's we not could- solid. Well, the, the thing the thing about Ferraris, I mean, and the first time I went there, they they've built a part of it as their apartment, and I thought first time I went there, I'm like, ooh, this could be a problem. You get TVs or walking around, you don't hear them. I mean, you hear nothing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, we we were joking around, going, maybe they are ghosts that make people into pub ghosts. Right. Know. And then we started talking to them, we got those readings, talking about them, we got those readings, we're like, oh, I want to go on now. <laughs> I, and there's, I mean, honestly, we were sitting there doing nothing except Correct. talking. I, it, really, there was no reason. No we reason. We weren't doing official session. It. Board was just sitting there doing baseline readings. We were just joking and playing around a little bit and we'd, we'd gotten on the topic about how quiet they were and, well, that two minutes and ten seconds that we but talked about them. The, the cool thing about that is, you know, without that kind of equipment sitting there, you would never have known something right. like that would, would have happened. So that's why I said earlier, you know, when something happens, you can look at the data, but then also you can look at the data and when you get piped to speak, uh, maybe, yeah, I put my teeth in, you get spikes. <laughs> you can go back and look at the video and say what was going on. 
during that time that we were getting spikes. And that's when it really gets scary because yeah. there's things where you thought, wow, nothing's happening, but, and then it's relevant and you're like, holy shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's, that's not shit that you make up in your head, you know, and, and, and scare yourself. It's actually, no, that, that's, you know, shit is going on and we don't even know about it. Yeah. Which is really what you're looking for. Have you had a chance to share that with the owners? No, I haven't. Have I what? Have you had, have you had a chance to share that with the, with the no, owners? No, I, 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 I want to, and I, and I probably will in the next couple of days. I've just been like crazy busy with work. Oh, and, sure. And, well, and also I'm, I'm doing another version of this Ouija board. So, because I've been inspired. <laughs> this one. Does. I'm just not good, as good at programming this shit. So I'm like, oh, fire in my pocket! There's a thing called, a, it's called a crowfire, and it's a small case. And that's the idea I had originally before I saw change forward. And it's full of sensors, and it's got the Raspberry Pi module. And it's for, like, kids to learn how to program. It's got little things like, oh, you can measure this, and you can measure that. But they're little tiny things that I always wanted to tie together and I never, and then I saw Shane Ford and I'm like, yes, that's, that's what I meant to do. That's, that's how it's supposed to work. So I'm working on that. And the cool thing is, there's a couple of extra things that, well, me and Shane both talked about it, but the only drawback is, for example, when stuff was going on, when, you know, when that conversation is going on, in real time, we have no way of knowing about it. So, right. I'm changing the code a little bit so that when it sits, it measures, you know, what the high points are. And then when you turn it on, if those high points start going up, the buzzer will go off and it'll go, okay, this is the new high point. So if stuff goes on, you'll, you'll get a little bit. Yeah, it'll be real time. Yeah. So then all of a sudden, if you're talking about something and it starts doing the bit, then you're like, all right, maybe we're onto something and you can lead the conversation that way. You know, stuff like that. Plus it's got a, uh, touch sensor, which we talked about, Shane. Yeah. Because then oh, you can yeah, interact. Yeah. So we can say, okay, if you're really here, you know, touch, touch this, and that will make the buzzer go off. So if the buzzer goes off, what you're telling them to do that. Plus, you'll have the data, you know, touch sensor touched one instead of a zero, not touched, you know, and then that will correlate to. So you'll have actually physical evidence of the data and what was going on all wrapped up in one nice bundle instead of people just saying, well, that happened and the lights went off when we asked for their name. You know, we'll, we'll have physical data, which I think is always helpful if you're investigating, especially if you do it, you know, multiple times at the same place and you keep getting that, you know, that, that reaction. Now, we we didn't just have the the board and the DODs. Come on, you've said it once, Dan. You might as well just keep saying it. It's already out. <laughs> it is. Hey, so, they vibrate. There's a setting. Instead of going off, you click on them, they vibrate. Well, if they vibrate, that makes them vibrators. Dildos don't do that. I sold sex yeah. toys for a while. I can tell you about that. Really? Them. I did. What kind of? Explain what was what was your best selling sex toy? I did I did passion party. Listen, you know it it 
when you sell sex toys to your friends, you get to know them on a whole different level. And you're shocked sometimes of the things that they're buying. I just lend them to my friends. I don't sell them. Oh, I'm a friend. oh great. I don't know what you're laughing at. Hey, I'll give it back. I'll give it back in a couple days. So the other equipment being used, Adam, what what did you use that night? I didn't use much. Honestly, I I don't know. What did I use? I forget. <laughs> Nothing well, we happened. did we did use the ghost box. Do you guys feel like we got anything super significant out of that? Although I thought there we had some really clear answers, especially in the boiler room when we first started. Yeah, and we had statistical significance in the boiler room during the EVP session. Yep. We had another drop in radiation and a small increase in the magnetic field. The same thing that happened when we talked about the owners. So it seems to be, so far, I mean, this is only two data points, but when we're talking about things or having a session, it goes one way. When you're feeding them with the ghost feeders, it goes the other way. So well, that's, like I say, only two data points, not enough to really make a, sure. a solid conclusion. There, there was a time in there, though, in the boiler room, where we were actually, I mean, Adam, you got your name said. Will be yep. us and 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 stuff like that. So you know, and I, you know, I, me and the spirit box is a love hate relationship. But you know, that, that's. But sometimes you just get too many answers that are relevant, too close together. That for me, the human mind is bad on statistics, which is why it, you know it, it's nice to have a program to tell you if it's significant or not. Yeah. The experience that. You know, you have when it's live. That is, you know, I can't get my head around going. Well, wait a minute, we get too many answers. Oh my god! And, and, it, and it always goes in bursts. Yeah, I, I mean, some of it was just blew my mind how clear it was. Some yeah. of it, and I mean, there was just no denying that it it was something different than just radio. Hey, John, this? John, yes. did you did yes. you have a chance to look at your Ghost box to see about how it was acting funny. Yeah. Oh, I forgot stuff. about that. You know, I haven't touched it since we came back once again. You know, between work and, and other things going on, I'll be honest with you. I I look at my equipment, and I and I should. And actually, I'm gonna put that in my list in my head. But usually, I, I I gather up my equipment, test it, look at it before we go out. So once we come back, I just you know get it all out and. and you know, put it where in my corner there. I don't look at the equipment until I'm ready to go. But yeah. I should look at that. You, you are extremely correct. Well, why don't uh, one of you talk about that experience? Go on, Adam. Well, so I think it didn't happen in the boiler room. Did it happen in the library? It, yeah, but as soon as we moved up there, the boiler room it was fine. Yeah. And then, yeah. I think the library, the first library session was fine, and then after that is when it happened. Yeah, it, it was, started slowing down and speeding up and dropping out. And then pausing on yeah. the stations, which it's never done anything like that the times I've been around it. And, and right. cutting out. Now, now, very weird. Yeah, well, the cutting out, I can explain. Okay, you know, maybe we banged it about some of the solar connections, blah, blah, blah. 
But the slowing down of stations. That's yeah, an internal, no, that, that's an internal chip that just forces talent it to change stations. So there's no soldering hold on that. It's just the chip itself that says, you know, change, 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 or whatever speed you set it at. So it slowing down like that was, no, that's that not. Was crazy. Yeah, it was. That, that's, that's not explainable. We're, we're in the hallway, yeah. I think, when that happened. Yep. Yep. Yeah. By the principal's office. Yeah. Yeah. So that pesky principal. Yeah. I so want to see that shadow figure at the top of the stairs, but they keep saying that's yeah. what we need They're to notoriously, because, you know, along with the janitor that was raping and molesting children uh, and putting I'll them try. in cages. Well, of course not. There is this evil principal that was residing over the the school too, and he is now this you know demonic black form that stands at the top of the steps by his office. And you said demonic. I did. All the all the kids think that the principal is demonic. Well, amen to that. <laughs> when you're like eight years old, you know. He's hiding my bottom. I'm, you're, I, and I'm sorry, I'm probably going to offend people by saying this, but you're more extreme groups. They will describe it as bad. And so it's this notorious figure that has supposedly been seen by several groups at the top of the steps. Oh, and then they come out with scratches on their arm. Right. Excuse yeah. me, I said, what's your, I meant media stuff. Oh my god, shut up. <laughs> no, you didn't. You meant bullshit. Yeah, I did. Um, <laughs> I'm trying so, to be nice. I, I have to admit, I, uh, I have not gotten through all my audio yet because I had a 17 year old child who felt like I should be paying more attention to her. So I am still going through. Shane, you had a camera. Why don't you talk about the pictures you were taking too? Yeah. So we did a, some low light photography, uh, long exposure. So instead of using flash, uh, like a lot of ghost groups do, where they'll just kind of walk around with a camera and they'll just take flash pictures and hand or infrared. it. Or infrared. Or infrared, yeah. They'll walk around with an infrared video or infrared camera. You know, and so this is natural light, low light photography. And you know, a lot of times the exposures are upwards of 20, 30 seconds. But uh, some of the benefits are you don't have orbs, you don't have abrupt shadows, you don't have reflections from the flash, you don't have a lot of those anomalies. Mm -hmm. And also, you get full color, full high-resolution images. So, if there is something in there, you know, that was legit, it wouldn't be like one of those uh, Bigfoot pictures that they put in the magazines that you can barely even tell what the gray shape is. You know, or a lot of security videos, or a lot of ghost group videos with the infrared cameras it's just a blob of gray it's like you can't even tell what that is in this case these are you know these are 20 some megapixel images that you can actually zoom in significantly before you even start seeing graininess so that look like a rainbow coming out of Nico's crotch well that happened and that is one anomaly you can get with long exposure if you have movement <laughs> Especially really with was. light in the field of view of the camera while you're exposing, you will get streaks. It's like those 
advertisements you see in the magazine where they show the car driving down the road and you see the red taillights yeah. in the street. It's the same thing. And so that was just a strange it was opportunistic a angle that uh, <laughs> looked like an eagle was being rainbows. <laughs> well, and the Hello Kitty in there didn't help. <laughs> he's got Hello Kitty, he's got peeing rainbows. I mean, this poor dude. He was taking abuse that night. Oh, no. <laughs> so poor Nico probably never going to talk to me again. <laughs> so, but anyways, the idea no, is... He'll, he'll call you up and say, can you photograph me some more? Right, yeah. <laughs> he'll have a new outfit and everything. So, so anyways, the idea is to get photos that are so detailed, full color, even if it's almost pitch black. I mean, a lot of those rooms are so dark, you almost had to feel around in there so you didn't trip on things. Mm-hmm. You know, but they come out, they look almost like daylight. Yeah. yeah. And so, it, it it would be very hard for a shadow creature or an apparition or anything, especially if it emitted light or was very dark, to hide. There's no way. I mean, because, you know, and it would be very obvious what it was, which... It makes debunking, you know, any of the photos really easy because you can just look at them and in five seconds be like, nope, not that one, not that one, not, I mean, so far doing it that way, I've never really seen any anomaly. So, I mean, the orbs are gone, the weird reflections are gone, you know, even mirrors act normal with that kind of, whereas a mirror with a flash is ridiculous. Well, the, the reason, I'll be honest with you, this is the first time I actually, my stepdad was a professional photographer, so he kind of dinged her, but I never even thought about it until I saw Shane doing it. I'm like, yeah, because when I did the interview with the physicist and he was talking about the Hubble, and I asked him, you know, how do you make paranormal investigation more objective and better. He said, think about it as the Hubble telescope. To get those really nice pictures, everything you do, remove the background. Right. And the problem is in paranormal uh, investigation is they take such crud photos and, and honestly, it works in their favor because they can. How many times I see on like things in Facebook or in videos where they've taken such a crud photo and then they post it and go, what did you see? You know, <laughs> And then you get all yeah, those people. crappy photos. Yeah, yeah, but, but you're not allowed to post that in a lot of groups because they'll, uh, trust me, I've been thrown out more groups than I can remember. But they'll go, oh, I feel without presence, or oh, it looks like two old ladies. Oh. And then the best one, it's a child. It's yeah. always a child, you know. So, my, the thing is, I like about that is you're removing the background noise and getting more to what you're trying to capture. The other thing is, because you put it in raw format instead of JPEG, if you really do get anything, like, uh, we did a thing on Tony Carnell a a few episodes back, if you remember, and he said, you know, after 50 50 years of doing it, he said 1% is paranormal that you will get to. And I believe that. But if you get that 1% on that photo, A, you can't say, Oh, it's, it's a shadow because there is no light. It's all ambient light. And two, it's not Photoshop because you're taking it in a raw format, which has all the data of that photo. So you can send it into the FBI and they can analyze it and go, yep, this hasn't been tampered with at all. So right. you can actually submit that 
you know, uh, scientifically and say, look, what the hell is this shadow person with a hat doing in the middle of the hallway? You know? Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, is it's nicer for the other investigators because you're not yelling flash and then big flash in the room and then all the other equipment sees flashes. So now you got some guy that has a IR camera that's sitting off in the corner and he keeps getting these blips and then he's like, hey, I got blips every so often. We must have had stuff. It's like, no. Whereas my camera is not emitting any kind of light. Mm -hmm. So there's no way I can influence the other equipment. Well, and the other equipment doesn't influence you because not, you're yeah. not taking out the infrared filters. So if you've got infrared yeah. cameras out there and you're taking an infrared film, you know, or infrared picture from a camera that does infrared, a lot of times I run into, I'll take a picture, but there's a camera taking infrared here and, and they're all emitting infrared light. So A, they're either causing spots on the film with this big glare which you can't see, but the camera's seeing it, because it's, if it's an infrared camera. And also, infrared lights are causing all these shadows everywhere. These cameras are just normal cameras. They don't do the infrared Yeah, spectrum. my camera does not see infrared yeah. at all. So, I mean, you know, so just, it's just what you see natural, is what you get. Yep, natural ambient light that increase because you're keeping the shot speed open. And well, that's kind of a the similar concept to what I did when we were at Edinburgh, that weird shadow that was over Eric. Because mm-hmm. my phone will do low-light photography, which is basically the same thing. And I took it on right. my phone. It's just not as good and as fancy as what Shane had. But, you know, I wish I wish that I we would have had that camera that night just to see what that would have really come out to. Because it was kind of a cool anomaly. Well, like I, like I said, you know, on our podcast, I, I, I've been dinking with it, and I can get those pictures now, thank you, Shane, because I've been spending my evenings, my lonely, no-life evenings, in the, in the workshop with all the lights out, and then playing with apertures and, and shutter speeds, and, you know, getting really good results in almost pitch darkness. Now I know roughly where to start when I go somewhere. The thing being is, the camera that I bought, I got on eBay, you could get an older, like, Nikon, I think it was a D70, with the lens and everything on it for, like, 120 bucks or less. So, yep. it's not, it's not like you've got to go out and buy a $600 murder camera. You know, yeah. you can buy an older one that does manual, and they're good enough, you know, yeah. to do... Yeah, you, you need a camera that does manual. If it's all automatic... Most modern cameras are all automatic. If they're in automatic mode, you get confused and can't focus. They can't see. They can't. They they don't understand why there's no light, and so they just turn the flash on. It's the only thing they know to do. So yeah. you need a camera that at least has the ability to put everything in manual, yeah. and then you can just tell it, "This is what I want to do. Ignore it, what you think you know, and just take my picture." And then you go somewhere dark in the evening. I mean, you don't. You know, you gotta practice. And, yeah, and, and, and shotgun it. So, you know, as long as you know, like the F number, low means big aperture, so you set it to the lowest F number, and yep. then play with your exposure time, like I've been doing, and then you know, roughly, when you go somewhere, okay, this is where I'm gonna start, and then we'll see what it looks yeah, like. After a while, you get, so you can almost guess it, mm-hmm. yeah. right? First time off. I think just kinda, yeah, yeah, it's about this dark, this number. Okay, good to go. You know, right. And you get used to your camera. You got to take your time with your own camera. 
All right. Well, now I want to address John's question. So I want each of you, we'll kind of wrap it up here, each of you to talk about what was most, what stood out the most to you during our investigation or what was your favorite moment? The start with Adam. Yeah. Come on. Always start with me. You're almost asleep. No, I am not. <laughs> Probably, I mean, obviously the library was pretty exciting with the dildos of doom going off and going off in command. I mean, you know, and you set that one off and did. I mean, that was pretty, pretty significant and interesting to me. That was probably my favorite thing. Next. Do you think it's home? Do you think for us home? Uh, he does. I, if sure. I go there five yeah. more times, then I can tell you. <laughs> oh, Adam's been there five times though. There is, there is definitely something going on, for sure. I, I have to, I have to say that. I got a one. So, who's next? Jay! Yeah, I'll go next. So, <laughs> for me, the, the correlation of looking at the data first, and then, you know, talk, and then find out that we were talking about the owners kind of thing. Yeah. To me, that was very significant. Not only because of the statistics of it, but because I wasn't even looking for anything other than, oh, hey, there's a bump on the line there. Let's go find out what went on. And so there's no way bias got in on that one. Yeah. And so that, for me, that was, that was the shining moment. Good. I like that. Thanks. Me or you, Sarah? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I guess for me, same as Adam, those things, you know, the ones going off on command. Now, here's the thing, it didn't impress me at the time, because I just bought them. I mean, I checked them in, in the bar slash workshop, and I knew they didn't do that, but they're also made in China. So I'm like, uh, maybe they're just flipping out. Hello, because, you know, we, we've had this thing about how much proof do you need. So, to me, I was like, eh. And then... Are you talking bad about the Chinese? That was what No, I, I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> They're made in China, so... Yeah, oh, come on. They do turn out some crap. I know. I just bought two lightsabers. Like I bought two lightsabers from, from Facebook. They're supposed to be really cool. And then when I got them in the post today, I was looking at them going, oh my God, I could have made these out of pulsar. Oh. Are you kidding me? <laughs> so, yeah, they do turn out shit sometimes. <laughs> But, you know, nothing against Chinese people, but they do turn out shit sometimes. But anyway, what what started to make me think about it was the rest of the night we tried to, I tried to, well, we all did, tried to prove that, okay, it's the ones, and we could never get them to do the same thing. And then, like I say, Shane was really the, for the weekend, so the next day, when we looked at the data, and I re-looked at the video, where I could hear people saying, can you set this one off? Can you set all of them off? And the data together, to me, I was like, we were looking actually for outside influences that could have set them off, like a radio burst or something. And we found nothing external apart from magnetic and radioactive inverse 
effects to the radioactivity magnetic when they were doing self-monophy. So it was like they were feeding, and then they were using that energy the other times when we were seeing data. It's totally inverse as if they were using calories instead of taking calories. And to me, personally, that was, like, huge. Okay, Sarah. Well, I, I mean, you know I'm there for something completely different than what the three of you are there for. So, for me, I, I mean, the experience of being in the library and having the shack hat come on by itself, obviously, it was very startling. But I am a sucker for some disembodied voices, and that's what we had at the very end in the gym, and it was just on the periphery of our hearing. But I, I heard them. Yeah, I'm pretty sure all of us heard. I, I mean, definite talking, had, and that's just always my favorite. So I'll be excited to see what the audio shows up with, if anything, hopefully something. You know, we had some great, like I said, some really clear answers through the the ghost box, too. So the communication was my favorite. I, you know, I love that you guys are all into the numbers. I don't care quite as much about them. But that's all right. <laughs> hey, that's, that's why it takes a team. That's Let's right. See. All right. All right. Well, I think we will wrap this up. You do want to find John and get a hold of him, see what he's up to. Of course, it is phantomscience.net and on their website is links to all of their social media sites, YouTube and Facebook specifically. And of course, they have their podcast on Sundays at 7 Central. And Eastern. I'm proud of you. Finally getting it. And if you want to catch up with me, you can do so. Facebook, Twitter, it's C Paranormal Sarah, S E E Paranormal Sarah with an H. And then John, Adam, and I can be found on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Seeking the Paranormal. So we will all hopefully be getting together for another investigation soon. And, you know, we'll touch back in. I, I mean, it's cool that we've gotten, obviously, what appears to be a reaction from the building and the environments surrounding the owners of that building. So I think that's really cool. And hopefully we'll have other, yeah, other. If you go to the front and they check you in, get your K2 out and make sure they're real. Right. I'm not sure they are. (laughs) Yeah. But hopefully we'll, we'll be able to share some more stories and talk a little bit more about the numbers and, you know, bringing the science into what we're all doing. So that, I think, will wrap it up. Of course, we don't have a topic for our next episode, but we'll... Yeah, we do. It's oh, we secret. do. Oh, no, it's secret. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, we'll all find out. That <laughs> was time to make one up. But for professional purposes, we do. And we're doing yeah. much research. Yeah. Yes, we're in deep into research mode right now. So, Until next time, keep seeking the paranormal, stay healthy, stay safe. And we're out! Thank you for listening, and be sure to follow Seeking the Paranormal on Facebook at Seeking the Paranormal, and also on Twitter at Seeking the Paranormal.